Welcome back everyone to Anma's Thoughts Podcast. I'm Chris, the host of the day. Joined by me today are my co-host Steph. Hi everyone. King. Hello. Janice. Hey everyone. And Clara. Hey guys. And on today's episode of Anma's Thoughts, we have a special guest with us here today. Let me introduce you all to Miss Joan Lowe, the founder of Thoughtful. So Miss Joan, you have a startup called Thoughtful, right? Yes. It provides an affordable and accessible end-to-end digital mental health solution. And you also have um, a chat product called Thoughtful Chat, mm-hmm. yep. which is a subscription-based mo- mobile application that provides personalized daily bite-sized coaching on the go and with certified uh, mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. So yep. before starting up Thoughtful, you were working in Hong Kong for roughly about six years. Yes, I was. I was. Right. Uh, what made you came back to like Malaysia to start up this uh, company, and how was mm-hmm. your journey like being the founder of this company? Right. Well, Chris, thanks so much for having me on the show, along with the uh, all your other co-hosts for Unmas. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I think it's always wonderful to see youth coming up and stepping up to advocate for mental health. So that's something we're very, you know, we are very supportive of, and I'm very honored to be part of this movement that you're creating. Uh, well, to answer your question about why I came back to Southeast Asia to found Thoughtful. Uh, Honestly, my life was actually pretty different before this. Uh, So I'm originally Malaysian. I've spent uh, quite a bit of time abroad uh, across, you know, North America, Europe, and also most recently in Hong Kong, uh, where I I was there for six years as a banker. uh, And I was working in a Wall Street bank there. Uh, I really you know, the, the whole founding of Thoughtful and the whole journey to where we are today uh, was really driven by the fact that we were trying to solve issues that either I myself or the people around me were facing. And I think it's one of those things where um, if you have firsthand challenges with the kind of gaps that are around in the traditional mental health care space, you will realize how many gaps there are, how many, you know, issues there are on the ground to be solved, and how much, you know, uh, how, how much contribution is needed to to get it to, to a better place to the masses. Uh, so really, that was the big why of me coming back. Um, I think as you, you, um, you, you've We've mentioned before, my family and I, we've been, you know, mental health caregivers ourselves for the last 20 years. And this whole, you know, ecosystem of mental health care is something that we know very intimately. And I think, you know, it was that that really kind of uh, was the driving force for me to come back, seeing how it was uh, abroad or how mental health care can be uh, in in other places made me realize how much work we can do uh, to contribute in Southeast Asia to get it, you know, to advance the whole system. Right. So um, like you mentioned, right, uh, other countries probably have it a lot better in terms of providing for mental health care uh, compared to what we have here in Southeast Asia and Yes, more specifically in Malaysia. Uh, what what are the main like goals that you've already set to achieve for Thoughtful itself? Well, Thoughtful is using um, well, we're leveraging technology, um, evidence based frameworks, as well as behavioral science to make mental health care more affordable and accessible for everyone. 
And our mission is really, or rather our vision, is to really make mental health care, you know, mental health as aspirational as physical health. So in an ideal world, uh, you know, people will be as accepting of engaging with their mental health as they will, as they already do uh, engage with their physical health. People are very quick to, you know, spend and invest in, you know, healthy eating, whether it's a 12 ringgit, you know, juice bottle or whether it is a hundred, actually not even like a $400 Lululemon yoga pants or like a $50, $50 you know, yoga class. I think people are at a stage where they're now uh, quite ready to engage with their physical health. Uh, but that's something that we do not see yet for mental health. Uh, I, I think when it comes to anything that, you know, you know will, will help them in, in that emotional or that psychological space, people still get quite hesitant. The stigma is still very much there. And so in an ideal world for us, uh, in, a, in a more thoughtful world, uh, that's where we want to you know, drive towards. So having conversations like this is actually uh, one of the best ways of doing that because we're normalizing the discussion around mental health. Uh, we're we're making it, you know, um, uh, you know, not a stigmatized activity, and and it's and I think it should be. On, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah. And what you've mentioned, um, do you see the importance of mental health being valued as like the importance of physical health? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's two sides to the same coin. Uh, our bodies uh, uh, will not function the way it would if our you know emotional and mental state is also not uh, is not optimal. Uh, really, it, it's very closely interlinked. Our physiology of our body is very much uh, a, an entire ecosystem in and of itself. And mental health and physical health are two sides of that coin, for sure. And again, that's why our vision is to make mental health as aspirational as physical health. Because if you're only going to invest in engaging with your physical health but neglect your mental health, you're still not going to get optimal of both. Do you know any myths that revolve around mental health such as like you know people calling it taboo or it could be contagious if you come in contact with someone that has mental health issues i won't say well i don't know about myths per se that's really not my forte but i i think there are definitely uh, certain preconceived ideas uh, and may maybe perhaps some misunderstandings about what mental health is and what it is not uh, especially in the place where, you know, there's a lot of cultural layers to it as well. I think we live in a very rich region uh, in Asia where there's a lot of different cultures, a lot of different belief systems and all of that uh, amalgamated into one society. I think that's where, you know, the, the understanding of mental health can vary from one place to the other or one demographic to the other. Uh, and so, at the end of the day, how we see what mental health is, is that, you know, it's a human condition. Uh, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your walk of life. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic standing. Uh, everyone has mental health regardless. And so it's a very fundamental aspect of our human condition. And for us, we do look at it as a biopsychosocial uh, um, frame uh, through a biopsychosocial framework. Uh, and so, you know, it's not just about uh, 
behavioral uh, uh, changes in the person. It's not just about someone being emotional or someone being, you know, sakit jiwa, someone being, you know, fasangking. There are so many different words that say the same thing in all these different languages, which honestly can be a bit derogatory um, and, and is reflective of how, you know, again, mental health can be uh, just misunderstood. Um, I think when someone has a fever, no one's going to say sakit jiwa, right? Uh, because that, that's a very physical manifestation of it. But when, uh, when, when it comes to mental wellness and the manifestation of it is not so much physical as it is subtle behavioral or linguistic changes, then I think that's where the misconceptions come in, the misunderstandings come in, and people just miss the signs altogether. But it is very, you know, there is a medical aspect to this for sure. Yeah, so you mentioned earlier about biosocial. Um, can you go in depth about that? Sure. Uh, so we look at it through a biopsychosocial model. Um, so really, there are three parts to uh, how one can view mental health. Um, you have the biochemistry part. So uh, a lot of mental health, you know, what dictates whether our mental health is optimal or not, uh, really boils down to the biochemistry uh, in our brains. Uh, and so, so there, that is a very big aspect to it. Uh, that's why, you know, you have psychiatrists who are trained doctors uh, who have their toolkit, which is, you know, the, in the form of medication to help you balance out these biochemicals in your brain. Uh, and so a lot of times when someone does go to a psychiatrist, uh, a, a term that will be used quite commonly is, you know, oh, this is, it's a chemical imbalance. Uh, and this is something that we will, you know, work towards rebalancing. So that's really on the bio side. Uh, on the psycho side, I guess you really have the psychotherapy, uh, psycho, you know, psychoanalysis parts. Uh, and this is where you have allied health workers such as clinical psychologists, you have uh, counselors who work in this space. Uh, a lot of it, the main tool sometimes is, uh, uh, is, is talk therapy. So your counseling sessions, your uh, psychotherapy sessions, whether it's a 60, 90 minute kind of conversation, uh, that's usually uh, where that part comes in. And then the final part, which honestly is probably one of the most neglected parts, especially here in Asia, is on the social side, the social support side. Uh, without, you know, all the three components holistically supporting the individual and also their caregivers, uh, it's really hard to get someone, you know, back to 100%. Uh, and, and on the social side, we're talking about not just social as in friend support, but also family support. Uh, the, the family's understanding of what mental health is and isn't is very much important and pivotal in someone's recovery. Uh, the other thing as well is on the employment front. I think one of the biggest challenges that uh, people who are going through you know, the most severe spectrum of mental afflictions is the fact that it's very hard to reintegrate back into society. It's very hard to find, you know, employers who will hire you and train you and also kind of uh, make some concessions for the fact that, you know, there is there is uh, some shortcomings. Right. Uh, so so I think um, that's the three main components. Yeah. Of, of mental health, the bio, psycho and the social part. Do any of the co-hosts have um, any questions to ask regarding this? Yeah. Um, speaking about science earlier. 
the signs that people have that they are not uh, mentally well. How can people around us notice these signs? And after realizing them, what is encouraged for them to react on these signs? Mm-hmm. How would you? Mm. Yeah, honestly, I think one of the the most important things, and I don't know why it's not in our education system yet. I feel like psychological first aid is so important for people because, you know, if everyone was trained with the three L's to look, listen, and link them to the right resources, uh, I think you know we we would be able to have a more resilient community from top to bottom because everyone will be more acutely aware and they'll know how to constructively handle it. Uh, so to answer your question directly, Steph, uh, I think one of the ways that people can, uh, you know, keep an eye to look right uh, is to to notice or observe any kind of changes. So this could be, you know, changes in behavior. Uh, if you have a friend in college who is usually super sociable, the life of the party, and then all of a sudden that person is shying away from social gatherings or, you know, suddenly that person might be, uh, you know, getting into conflicts with, with people when usually, you know, that's not the case. Uh, it, that could be a sign. Um, another sign uh, is, you know, also change in, um, I guess, performance in a way. Uh, that person could be a top student one year and then the next year, you know, that person's struggling. Uh, that's also usually a big sign that maybe something is amiss. Maybe, you know, that person's under tremendous stress elsewhere. Uh, I think the other one as well is, uh, you know, just changes in in uh, eating patterns, sleeping patterns, changes in the way they speak. Uh, sometimes the way they speak is a reflection of their thought processes. Um, that person could be very positive usually, but all of a sudden everything seems to be a bit more negatively tinged. Uh, that is also a very you know telling sign, I think. Uh, so so to to look and to listen, not just look at the symptoms of them, you know, not coming out and you know eating too much or eating too little, but also listening to what they're saying. I think that's also really important. And finally, I think it's all you know. The onus is on us to not just educate ourselves, but to also know what the resources are out there. You know, where do we go? Uh, where uh, where is a suitable and a reputable place uh, to 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 link someone there and 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 if ever you know there are questions you know can can that person directly reach out if they're more comfortable uh, of course some people would also appreciate the support so as a friend if you have someone close to you who you realize has you know, you, you, you look and you listen and you find that there is a change there and maybe that person needs a bit more support, go ahead and offer. I mean, you know, would you like me to come with you? I can come with you. Um, I think that will really, you know, be very impactful in their life. Coming back to the whole Thoughtful app, yeah? Uh, would you mind explaining to our listeners out there how this app works and how it could possibly help someone in need? Uh, so Thoughtful Chat is a mobile chat platform that connects users directly to certified mental health professionals for daily bite-sized coaching. Uh, I'll break this down so that it makes sense. Essentially what it means if you're a user. So if you're a student at Taylor's University, for example, or God forbid, one of the other rival schools, um, uh, if, 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 you're, if you're a user from you know one of these places, then uh, you know, at any time, you can just download the app. Uh, 
Uh, it's free to download on both the Apple Store and also on Google Play Store if you're using Android. Uh, once you download, you can sign up. It's pretty easy. Uh, the first thing that you'll notice is the fact that you'll probably be able to uh, be identified as a nickname. Uh, this was put in place because we realized that stigma is still a very big barrier for people to engage with their mental health. So we wanted to give sort of a layer of confidentiality. Uh, and also, you know, if you're super well known, you might not want people to know as well. Uh, so, so that's a consideration we've taken into account. Once you do sign up, then you can explore the app. Uh, there, we, we have different features within the app and they're all designed to mimic the journey of self-discovery uh, in, in, in the mental health aspect. <laughs> uh, so essentially you, you can go in there, you can learn, you can chat and you can grow. Uh, if, for people who want to engage with the topic a bit more, who want to explore what mental health is, learn some lessons, you know, uh, pick up some tools on their own, they can go to the learn feature. We have learning packs there with um, all sorts of tools for them to take away. Everything is bite-sized because we realize that people's attention spans aren't really long these days. So everything's meant to be, you know, five, 10 minute kind of engagements. And then if, if they're, even when they're comfortable um, to more proactively engage with their mental health through a coach, uh, they can always, um, uh, sh share with us their preferences and our algorithms will actually help them find, you know, up to three best fit professionals for them. Uh, all of the credentials are there. Everyone who is in our network has been filtered, has been uh, screened, onboarded, and then trained to use Topful Chat. Uh, so everything has been already vetted through. And based on that, you know, you just pick who you want to work with. Uh, and, and everyone can chat anytime, anywhere. So it's quite different to traditional therapy. Uh, that's why we call it bite-sized coaching because in the traditional therapy sense, usually you would make an appointment with a counselor. You meet them for maybe 60 to 90 minutes during that session and you might follow up with them a week later or a month later or some, you know, <laughs> some might not show up again. Uh, and so that's the usual traditional sense. But for, uh, you know, thoughtful chats uh, users, really, you can text anytime, anywhere. It could be 2 a.m. when you have a ton of stuff going through your mind, or it could be 2 p.m. before a very big exam, uh, and you just want that constructive, safe space to share how you go, what you're going through currently. Text anytime, and our professionals check in with you every day, Monday to Friday, except public holidays. All our professionals are counselors or psychologists or psychiatrists, yeah. Uh, so it's like a 24 hour system? Uh, it's asynchronous texting. So currently, uh, because we have not introduced a bot yet, uh, if you're going to be texting at 2 a.m., if your professionals up and you know willing to text you, great. Uh, most probably they might be asleep. <laughs> and if they're asleep, I mean, they'll probably text you in the morning. Uh, so it's not live chatting, it's asynchronous chatting. So you do have plans to implement a AI system? Uh, yes, that's, I mean, that's always something that's under consideration. Uh, I think for us, it's not so much about just, you know, introducing a bot for the sake of a bot. Uh, I think it needs to fit, fit into the entire ecosystem and also ensure that it's, it's a safe complement and solution for our users. It is a, currently it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship that you build. Uh, the reason why it's one-on-one -on -one is because we want people to be able to build the trust and the rapport with the person that they're working with. That's how you grow. Um, 
basically phase two for thoughtful chat is when we'll implement, you know, AI and machine learning uh, so that we can enhance that user experience on the front end uh, and also, you know, really help to create more predictive and also more accurate uh, mental health care for people. Uh, it could be a bot. It could. It might be something completely different. Uh, right. But but for sure, AI and machine learning is being implemented. Um, yeah. I think one thing I forgot to actually share as well, the final feature is the grow feature. Uh, so that's where we, uh, we provide people with quantitative and also qualitative tools to make sure that they can track their growth along the way. Um, I think it's always good to see, you know, how far you're going, just like how someone will step on a wing scale to see how much they weigh. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing, but just for your mind. Yeah, I, I found the Thoughtful Chat app really cool, actually, because I've actually downloaded it myself and explored it. And um, I was actually filling up the details just to see how it would be like, like the counseling sessions and how they actually pair um, like users to the professionals. Um, and I found it really interesting that for the last question, you guys included something which said, um, are you differently able? So perhaps I wanted to understand more on Thoughtful's um, thoughts about mental health among the differently able community. Thanks so much, Janice, for bringing this up. Um, absolutely, we want to be as inclusive as possible. Otherwise, the world will not be thoughtful if we are not inclusive, right? <laughs> and and, and there's, that's exactly the reason why we included um, a question there to, to see whether or not the user who is downloading our app is differently able. Uh, one thing we did realize was that we actually do have users who are differently able. Um, and, and usually what we do see is uh, um, that they might be hard of hearing, for example, or maybe they have uh, uh, dyslexia or learning disabilities. Uh, but I think that's where the, you also have the beauty of it being a text-based platform is because sometimes talk therapy, where it requires listening and talking, can be, can be actually a bit intimidating or inaccessible to people who are not able to to listen and and, and talk uh, and so that's where you know for, through texting they can still express themselves uh, and you know if let's say they need more time to digest what's being conveyed to them communicated to them they can take their time to slowly read their messages analyze it if they have questions they can still ask those questions in their own time so Absolutely, we do want to make sure that the differently able uh, demographic is also included when we talk about providing mental health care for all. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, that's often overseen is that people who are differently able uh, are usually um, categorized as such when you know there's a physical kind of manifestation of that different uh, different ability but i think you know sometimes that also manifests itself in 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 what's going on psychologically and emotionally as well uh, and so you know those are definitely people we want to make sure is included in the solution yeah that's really nice i guess like because actually for our assignment um we actually got to know more about the mental health among differently abled after our friend um king um, he was sharing with us his experience as well. Uh, so just wondering, right, so far through the coaching sessions online that you have, are there any significant differences uh, of those who are differently able, who have mental health issues or normal body people who are facing mental health issues? Um, yeah, I think for sure when it comes to things like, uh, uh, what do you call it? 
um, how you know one is coached and how one is uh, uh, also supported. Uh, I think you know it, it is different because there are different considerations as well. For example, uh, someone who is you know uh, able-bodied, as you would say, uh, probably wouldn't have to worry about things uh, like communicating with their boss, uh, for example, or someone who is uh, able-bodied wouldn't have to worry about the fact that maybe the clinic or the counseling center that they want to go to does not have a ramp uh, for, for their wheelchair. You know, these are all the considerations that an able-bodied person would not have to consider or, or, or will not have, you know, uh, affecting them as much as a person who is differently able might. And so, you know, these, again, you know, at the end of the day, it boils down to different sources of stress, different sources of considerations. Uh, and I think that 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 paints a big, um, uh, plays a big factor in the entire picture of someone's, uh, someone's being uh, in general. And so we definitely do uh, make sure that all of those is taken into consideration as well when our coaches actually work with, with, uh, with everyone. For the differently able community, right? We know that you know they, they go through a lot more challenges than we do, uh, but that also means that the caregivers that are you know taking care of them, they also go through the same amount of like um, mental health challenges and stress. Do does thoughtful have um, implemented a a sort of option for these caregivers, you know, to seek help and figure out how to help these? community yeah so uh actually uh thanks for bringing that that up uh we do have a pretty big focus on uh, caregiving uh so i mean it's something that we're still piloting in the background but you know once once that goes through it'll probably make it onto the app as well um because i think a lot of times the focus is always on the individual that's going through the challenge. So in Malaysia, for example, one in three individuals go through some form of mental health, you know, Ill mental health challenge or mental illness. Uh, a lot of times the focus is on the one in three, but no one focuses on the two in three who's supporting the individual to make sure that individual can also, uh, you know, kind of go on this uh, recovery phase or, or, or journey of, of growth and healing. And it's very much similar uh, in, in, in the space of disabilities as well. Uh, I think a lot of stress can be experienced by the caregivers. And so that's definitely an aspect where uh, I think, you know, just as much as the person with the disability or with, uh, I guess, the different ability uh, is, is going through and, and just as much support as we're giving that person, we should also be looking at who is supporting that person. Uh, and so those are the caregivers because caregiver burnout is actually very real. Uh, it is something that is very much neglected because, uh, you know, on top of doing everything that someone needs to do in life, whether it's you know bringing home uh, the paychecks to support the family, uh, making sure everyone has enough time with each other, uh, then there's also the added uh, the added responsibility of of taking care of all the other um, things that come with taking care of a person with a different ability. So uh, absolutely, that's something that we are actually already piloting. Um, we're doing it a bit more for the ger geriatrics community. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you know, but 
honestly in a couple of years um um uh that's the rise of what you call the silver population uh so asia is going to uh, enter a phase of a silvering economy meaning to say that everyone's getting older <laughs> to put it simply uh and so i think you know making sure that uh we are well trained well educated to know how to support uh the silver population uh and 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 make sure that you know uh we we have the tools in place is also very important so that's something we've we're actually already working on yeah it's really exciting to know that thoughtful is actually piloting something for the caregivers yeah so john um could you share with us perhaps um what are the struggles that caregivers go through mm mm-hmm. Uh, thanks so much for that question, Janice. I think it's uh, it's something that uh, I, I won't call it um, struggle, so to speak, but more of uh, a growing pr- process and, and kind of uh, challenges that need to be navigated uh, every now and again. So, uh, as a caregiver ourselves, I think one of the biggest challenge um, was finding the right information. uh and 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 knowing where to go for the right information and knowing which information applied to your case uh because you know not not every situation is the same not everything follows a textbook uh and so i think you know finding the right answers uh was probably one of the biggest challenge now to to also remind you of how dinosaur i am uh i mean this whole journey for for us started 20 years ago So during that time there was barely any information on, on online for this. It's not a situation where you have social media. There was no smartphone at that time and uh a lot of the conversations were very much uh you know on on the ground in in IRL, you know, in real life. <laughs> so that was definitely a challenge I guess sourcing information. Now that we do have a lot of information uh available, I think it's much easier for caregivers to access that. but i think you know the difficulty then is to filter out what is right what are what are, what are the factual kind of information and so i would really highly encourage caregivers to really know the, your sources uh know know if you're speaking to the right party uh, are they are they certified are they qualified to give um to give such advice just because they are a medical professional it doesn't mean they know everything about mental health and it doesn't mean they know about caregiving uh, caregiving in itself is a category uh so so it is very different i think one of um the other challenges as well is also uh knowing how to i guess you know observe be aware uh and also kind of manage yourself as a caregiver i think a lot of times um the frustration and you know the anger and the uh you know sadness and that emotional roller coaster uh sometimes that happens because not because of the person we're taking care of but because of our reaction to the person uh and the situation and and that in itself is not a reflection of of any other body but ourselves and so i think it the onus is also on us as caregivers to really build that sense of self awareness uh know what our usual triggers are 
and whether you know those triggers are uh, something that is reasonable or maybe something that you know can be improved on, uh, and and how do we build the tools and coping mechanisms that are constructive to ensure that you know we don't exacerbate a situation that is already challenging in and of itself. Uh, so I think that's something that is uh, very much overlooked. Um, one question that I always do ask other caregivers when they approach me is, you know, are we, are we imposing our own expectations of what a recovery looks like? Or is that truly the recovery process that is suitable for the person you're taking care of? Uh, so I think that's also something to always be aware of because we all have our own ideas of what a success, successful recovery looks like. We all have our own ideas of what should be done in order to get there. Uh, and sometimes it might be uh, our understanding of it or how we would do it. But is it something that is suitable for that person? Uh, that's a question we should ask and maybe reflect upon a bit as well. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's uh, that's maybe some of the um, some of the thought processes I think they should people should be going through. Oh, it looks like we're somewhat closing in on our time. Uh, I do have one last question though. What are the next steps that you are planning to take for thoughtful, like down the line, you know, within the next five years or so? Where where mm -hmm. do you see thoughtful being at? Yeah, uh, so there's a reason why uh, our website is thoughtful.world. There's a reason why our social media handles are at a thoughtful world. Uh, everything was thoughtfully done. <laughs> Pardon the pun, yeah. but everything was uh, very thoughtfully planned out because for us, um, our goal is to essentially create accessible and affordable solutions for the entire journey end to end of some of, of the mental health uh, experience. So whether it's on the preventive stage to the curative stage to the rehabilitative stage, we want to build the entire ecosystem that talks to each other. <laughs> um, and, and in order to do so, uh, I think you know it all starts with prevention first, upstream prevention. Because firstly, it's um, it's something that uh, is is very much still under underlooked, and there's still a lot of uh, I think educating and awareness that needs to be built, um, and 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 you know we're doing that through thoughtful chat and also thoughtful education. Uh, so you know moving forward, I think um, what you can probably uh, expect from us is a more robust thoughtful chat platform. Uh, where we'll, you know, start integrating not just the preventive, you know, daily bite-sized coaching solutions, but also things that will, uh, you know, connect you to the more curative aspects as well for mental health. And hopefully we can, you know, get from uh, online to offline and make that a seamless process. And in that, you know, embed our rehabilitative plans. So it's very exciting. Uh, I don't know if five years is enough to be very honest, Chris, <laughs> but but maybe with the help from all of you at some point, um, when you come join a thoughtful world, I think that's maybe going to be possible. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's it. Uh, I guess we should be wrapping up this episode. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we officially end this podcast? You know, at the end of the day, our, our goal is to really 
be there for you and um, be there for for anyone who you know might be not even might be going through a tough time but i think for us the most important is that people know that it's okay and that it, it it's it should be totally normal to proactively engage with your mental health in whatever form it may be uh, and so that's something that we highly encourage whether it's through having more thoughtful chats uh, on or off the app <laughs> um, or, or whether it is, you know, building that support system around you that's positive for you. Uh, I think that's something that uh, all of us should always proactively be thinking about. Uh, I strongly believe on a personal level that we become the average of the top five people we spend the most time with, right? Uh, and so those are things that, you know, uh, that also eventually add on to our mental health. Uh, so whatever it is that might suit you the best, um, don't wait, act now and uh, proactively engage with your mental health. Um, if you have any questions, you know, let's have a thoughtful chat at at a thoughtful world. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm really excited for Thoughtful's um, future and I'm, I really love what Thoughtful does. Um, in fact, when you talk about your website, um, I just recalled that I actually went to your website and, you know, I did that test thingy, um, the mental health test, and yeah. it was pretty interesting, um, the questions you asked and, you know, the feedback to actually see our score. Um, and that was the first time I actually paid more attention to my mental health after finding out that, hey, um, I, I can just do this test online and it's so easily accessible. So yeah. when I did that test, I found it pretty interesting because I, I always thought that I'm a really positive person, right? So that test revealed that I have mild anxiety. Mm -hmm. And like after that, a few days later, I felt like, you know, I was having difficulty breathing and all this stuff. So I didn't really know why. And I kind of wanted to tell myself that, hey, I'm fine. It's not my mental health. So yeah, I found it really interesting that thanks to that small little test, I actually figured out something different and something new about myself that I should pay more attention to. So really, yeah. really happy with the work that Thoughtful is doing to make mental health accessible. Well, thanks so much, Janice, for that. And and good on you for, you know, proactively engaging and, and taking taking that assessment. Uh, we made it available for free to everyone because I think it's it's something that, again, you know, everyone should have access to. Uh, one thing I will add about that assessment. Um, uh, so, so it's an assessment for stress, anxiety, and depression. Uh, and what it does is it, it asks a series of questions and then it puts you on a scale. Uh, so so then you, you know roughly where you are at. And I think um, a couple of points on that. Uh, one, it's not a diagnosis. Uh, so don't worry, it's, it's not a diagnosis. Look at it more as, again, a weighing scale for you to see where you currently are at. Uh, so that you know what actions to take thereafter. And it is a dynamic result, meaning to say that, you know, today you take it, it might be at one, you know, one point. Two, three months later, it could be completely different depending on the current circumstances and what you're experiencing. So again, it's a dynamic result. It's not static uh, and it should be treated as a tool to remind us of where we currently are at and so we can take the right steps thereafter um, and again you know if there are any questions or concerns you know just reach out um, you know one of my team will definitely have a, have a thoughtful chat with you yeah it's also now on the app uh, so anyone who downloads the app can actually uh, download it and then it's aesthetically more pleasing because there are colors and circles and you know graphs and all of that so <laughs> Yeah. And it allows for on-the-go um, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, and it's 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 available. You know, every day you can take it once a day, um, and, and you know track your track yourself over time if you need. But I I, I would say that that will be counterproductive because don't stress about it because then it's counterproductive. <laughs> don't stress about being stressed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much once again, Miss Joan, on sharing your journey with Thoughtful, and for our listeners out there, do follow Thoughtful on their social media at a Thoughtful Wall and on our social media at Unmask Your Wounds for more information on mental health amongst the differently abled community and stay tuned next week for our next podcast. With that, I'll see you guys. Stay safe, everyone.